All right, we are um, live here with The Way Podcast, and hopefully you've been keeping up with us. We have not um, been doing these short episodes of Selfish to Selfless here in a while, but we're back at it. And if you are listening to The Way Podcast, I encourage you to you can subscribe on, pod, or on um, Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, and that can keep you up to date with our new episodes. In December, we had um, a few different guests, had... My sister, um, Dr. Holly, had um, Darius Bell, had Jesse Ojeda, had Sloan Becker come in and talk about um, trauma, talk about sexual identity, talk about how um, our our diet, how our gut impacts mental health, and finally we talked about um, how we can use our gifts in the marketplace and in business ultimately to glorify God. But in these sessions, and going from selfish to selfless, um, we're looking at the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, on how we can have a Christ-centered view of the Bible um, and not get too wrapped up in ourselves. So if you turn with me um, to Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, we're going to talk about this order of Melchizedek. And The question for today is, where do you find your blessing? And we're going to find that there's this priest called Melchizedek who blesses Abraham, who's actually a representation of Christ. But when we are going through addiction, when we're going through trauma, and when we're going through these things, we can be desperate for relief. We can be desperate for blessings. And where do you go for your relief? Where do you go for your blessings? Do you go to um, your friends? Do you go to your family? Do you go to relationships? Um, Do you go to substances that we want to be blessed, which ultimately means to be favored or be given something by someone and we can turn to those type of things or we can turn to God most high that we're going to read about here in Genesis chapter 14 we can go to God ultimately we can go to Jesus Christ as our intercessor um, for our blessing and so that is the question today is where do you go for your blessing when you are stuck in your cycles of anxiety depression or addiction so if you turn with me Genesis chapter 14 I'm gonna read this section He says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and the wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him, talking about Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And he gave him a tithe of all, meaning Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe tithe of all that he had. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich, except only that the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, Anner, Eshkol, and memory that let them take their portion. So we see from this scripture something that's really important is one, when Abraham gets to, to this journey, he has this victory over the king of Sodom. And when the king of Sodom wants to bless him, when he wants to recognize um, the authority and the blessing that's on Abraham's life, he says no, because he said, I don't want to be made rich by the world. And this is something that we have to ask ourselves is when the world applauds us or the, when the world offers us things that want to take the place of what God has given us, or that maybe will just look like we end up getting the credit because we're blessed in an earthly sense. Are we going to say no to those things so that we can receive the true blessing that is from heaven now not all earthly blessings um, are necessarily bad but in this case <clears throat> abram's making a stance is i'm going to have my riches i'm going to have my blessing ultimately come from god i'm not going to let these things come from the world and when we look at this scripture again melchizedek is actually this picture of jesus christ we're going to see that in a second here through the scriptures 
But there's two ways <clears throat> that Jesus or that um, the character of Christ is seen in this scripture. And when we look at this, the reason why it's important is because when you say you're a follower of Christ or you do want your blessing to come from God, we can have faith that the blessing's worth it um, because of who is giving the blessing. Now, if I know that um, somebody who is a billionaire is going to bless me or somebody who and this billionaire say is a good guy, man, he loves me, um, he wants the best for me, I can trust that his blessing is going to be good, whether that be monetary or whether that just be in relationship with me, that if somebody cares about me, loves me, and has the means to help me, I can trust that blessing is going to be worth it. But if somebody isn't nice to me, if somebody um, doesn't live a godly life, if somebody doesn't have um, finances, if, if people don't have anything that they could really um, give me or, or to help me with, but instead are going to hurt me, then I can trust if they're, if they're, tr if they're um, offering me a blessing, it's probably not going to be worth it. And so when we look at why does understanding the order of Melchizedek, um, as Hebrews puts it, why does it matter as we get to this place in Genesis, um, who is this priest? It matters because it reveals to us the character of God. And when we understand the character of God, we can trust um, his blessings. We can trust his promises because we know who he is. When we know somebody, ultimately we will trust him. And when we see how the order of Melchizedek here in Genesis chapter 14, when we see how this will uh, reveal the character of God, we can see why it is so obvious we should wait on the blessings of God rather than trying to take the blessings of the world for ourselves. So there's two things that, that um, are at the very beginning of, of this section with Melchizedek says he is the king of Salem. Now, whenever a king is introduced in the Bible, it always starts with um, a geographic location of who are they the king of, um, what's their jurisdiction. But here in this scripture, it says that Melchizedek is um, the king of Salem. And Salem is ultimately a word that actually just means peace, that Mel Melchizedek is described as a king of peace. Now, who else is described as a king of peace? Is Jesus, right? Jesus is the prince of peace um, that we see in Isaiah just coming out of the Christmas season. So, Melchizedek does not is not given um, an earthly kingdom, but instead he's given a kingdom of peace. And so this is a representation of Christ. Is Jesus isn't uh, promising us earthly riches. Jesus isn't promising us um, earthly blessings, although he does bless us in earthly senses sometimes. But Jesus has a kingdom that is not of this earth, but he has a heavenly kingdom that he will ultimately establish um, forever at the end of time. So just as Jesus is a king of peace, he's a king from heaven. He's not a king on earth, um, but he is a king um, Jesus over and over says that my kingdom is not of this world, but I, I am I am the king, um, ultimately of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of heaven. And so, just as Jesus is the king of the kingdom of heaven, he is the king of peace, so Melchizedek comes to Abraham as his representation of a king, not of a location, but instead of peace. It says he brings out bread and wine, um, but it also says that he was the priest of God, Most High. Now, not only is Jesus a, a king, but Jesus is also a priest. Now, this never happens in the rest of the Bible that someone um, from Israel is both a king and a priest. That The king was supposed to come from the tribe of Judah, which Jesus did, but the priest um, came from the line of Aaron, which was um, the Levites. And Jesus was not um, 
a Levitical priest, but he is the priest of a new covenant, a covenant of grace and a covenant that comes from the atonement of his sacrifice. So we see here that not only is Jesus a priest or a king like Melchizedek of having all authority, not just on earth, but also in heaven, that Jesus, like Melchizedek, is also a priest of God Most High. We're going to see why the, the priesthood of Jesus Christ is so important to us. So just starting out here that, that Jesus is representing Melchizedek because one, there's no geographic location. This is, his location is peace, just like Jesus. But two, there's no genealogy um, that's represented for Melchizedek here. And um, anytime a king or an important figure in the Bible is mentioned, there always is a genealogy of who is this person connected to. And here, no genealogy was representing that Melchizedek was not necessarily of this earth. He had no beginning, but he also has no end. That Melchizedek is never mentioned of dying or passing away or what happens to him. And so in the same way, this is representing Jesus, that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. John chapter 1 says that Jesus is the Word of God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God from the beginning, that Jesus is a part of the triune nature of God, um, three persons in one being. And just like Melchizedek here, he is both um, priest, he is both king, he has no beginning, he has no end, and his kingdom is not something of this world, but ultimately his kingdom is in heaven. So right off the bat, we're going to look at two different things now that we, we see that just the description of who Melchizedek is is ultimately pointing us to Jesus Christ. And if this explanation seems kind of random or weak, we're going to look at how this is confirmed in, in both Psalms and Hebrews and throughout the New Testament. Uh, we won't do all that today because eventually we'll get to Hebrews and we'll look at it um, in a deeper sense. But I do want to look at this portion of Abraham's journey, you know, we've looked at how he's left his homeland. Um, he's had these these trials that God has promised him. He has failures, but God keeps assuring Abraham of his promise. Abraham goes out to help Lot, um, his brother. He has his victory over the king of Sodom. And again, God is sending him a helper. God is sending him assurance through this priest, this king, Melchizedek, who is ultimately representing Christ, who, as Melchizedek, blesses Abraham, so can Christ bless us as both our priest and our king. And so as a, um, as a king, as Melchizedek is described, I want to look at two um, cross-references here, one in, in Psalm 110 that describes what does it mean that Jesus Christ is the king? What does it mean that he is the king of kings? What does it mean that he is the Lord of lords? And in Psalm 110, I'm going to read this whole psalm. It says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. And in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Get this guy again. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of the many countries. He shall drink the brook, brook of the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up his head. So when we look at this scripture in Psalm 110. We see at the beginning of scripture that even Jesus references in his um, ministry that many people thought the Messiah would be the son of David. And um, Jesus says, how can the Messiah be the son of David when in Psalm 110, David says, the Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. And so Jesus says, how can David, 
if the Messiah is his son, how can David call the Messiah Lord? That wouldn't make any sense. And see, Jesus was the seed of David in that Jesus was a man, but ultimately Jesus was David's Lord in this prophecy because Jesus ultimately came from heaven, not an earthly kingdom, but he is the king of Salem, uh, the king of peace. So he continues to say it until he makes his enemies his footstool, that Jesus, as our king, he has all authority that one day Jesus will come and he will judge the righteous, he will judge the wicked, he will condemn the wicked, and he will redeem the righteous, and that ultimately he will establish his new kingdom. And so we don't have to take vengeance in our hands. We don't have to um, be all irritated at the injustice in the world, although it can impact our hearts, that we can know there's a day where Jesus Christ is going to set things right, and all things are under his authority, even the tough things in this life ultimately um, God allows to happen not that he necessarily wishes them to happen but because he's given us free will even free will is ultimately under his authority so we see that Jesus like the order of Melchizedek he is our king in verse 2 it says the Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion to rule the midst in your enemies and ultimately he's referring to the rod of iron that Jesus will come from um, come with in Revelation 19 you can read that um, but it's representing the, the rod or the, the staff of Judah that's representing the kingship of Israel but if you continue in this psalm eventually he shifts from this power and this authority of ruling over the nations and this picture of the kingship of the Messiah to the priesthood. He says, but you're also a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, the priest in the Jewish law, not only did they offer the sacrifice to the people, but they cleansed themselves to offer the sacrifice for the people, and they interceded, they prayed for, they stood in the gap um, for the people of Israel. And that's the thing about Jesus Christ. Not only does he have all power and authority, but he also loves us and is interceding for us, that Jesus was the sacrifice and that he died on the cross, but he also offered the sacrifice because Jesus Christ offered himself. Um, Jesus says that no one could take his life, but that he would lay it down, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for you and for me because he wanted to. And as a high priest, not only was he the, the sacrifice, but he offered the sacrifice as he cleansed himself through his perfect works that you and I could receive righteousness. That um, Genesis chapter 14 talks about the order of Melchizedek of this priest of righteousness. And where do you find your righteousness? Where do you find your blessing? Because if you find it in yourself, you will find quickly that you fail. All of us fail, that we do not have it in us um, to be righteous, that we all fall short in one way or another. But Jesus Christ, through the order of Melchizedek, not by works, but by grace, which we'll get to in a second, is offering us this opportunity to be righteous before him um, by his grace because he has offered the sacrifice but also fulfilled it. Finally, in, in verse 5 of Psalm 110, it says, The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. Now, when you look at Genesis um, 14, after Abraham's a victory, the king of Sodom actually defers to Melchizedek as the first one to greet um, Abraham, which is rare because a king wouldn't defer to someone else unless he saw him um, greater than him in authority. And so just like the king of Sodom deferred to Melchizedek, so will the kings of earth and all the great and mighty men that think we're so awesome now when we see the king of glory, when we see Jesus Christ face to face, we will defer our authority ultimately to him. Finally, he talks about that he will judge among the nations, says he will shall fill the places with dead bodies, that Jesus is coming back. Again, now is a time of grace. Now is a time where God is offering an opportunity for us to repent. But there comes a day where that time of grace is over and Jesus Christ will 
judge the earth and it, it gives this picture of filling the earth with dead bodies that ultimately the wicked will be cut off forever, which may seem harsh, but we want that, that if, if heaven was filled with wicked people, it wouldn't be heaven. But what Jesus is saying is he will fill heaven, not with sinners, but with perfect people. How can he do that? Well, he can do that because the perfect, the perfection of Jesus Christ on the cross can be transferred to us by faith. That Not that we become perfect in this life, but when we die, God is promising that he will perfect our heart. He will perfect our mind. He will perfect our bodies so that we can live in, in heaven forever perfect. Not one imperfect person will ever enter into heaven that we must enter in by perfection and the only way we can be perfect is by faith um, and, and or by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and that's why when Jesus comes back he will destroy the wicked which ultimately he says um, in a physical sense would fill the earth like dead bodies and he says finally he will drink of the brook of the wayside therefore he shall lift up his head and again this is a picture of Jesus final victory that just like a king would drink a uh, 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 drink of water after being tired or exhausted after conquering his enemies but being satisfied that the victory had been won so Jesus will be satisfied uh, when he comes back not only as a king but a priest to redeem his people so when we look at this aspect of Jesus Christ being a king the God the Jesus the, the Lord Jesus Christ who is offering to bless you is the God of all authority. He's the God who um, can conquer the kings. He's the God who says the nations are a drop of a bucket in his in um, in comparison to his his power. That the God who's offering us a blessing isn't a God who has to answer to anyone else. And that's encouraging. Again, if the President of the United States offers you a blessing, he can give you whatever he wants because he's in authority. And the same way that Jesus, he's in authority of all heaven, of all earth, like Genesis said, he is the possessor of heaven and of earth. So we see here, what does it mean that Jesus is king just like um, this priest that we see Melchizedek in uh, Genesis chapter 14? So finally, I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 4 um, that talks about Melchizedek being our priest. And what does it mean that Jesus is your priest? And it's comforting to know that Jesus became a man because as a man, he can sympathize with what it means to be weak like a man. So in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, God is not just a God who's a far off God, but he is a God who is a man um, and can relate to us. So in verse 14 it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, and we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So the first thing that we see is Jesus is our high priest. He is this man who has come according to the order of Melchizedek, um, which means, again, he's a new in the new covenant that the old priests were um, ordered according to bloodline jesus isn't according to bloodline jesus is according to the will of father the will of the father um by grace through faith it's not a legalistic thing it's not a religious thing but something that can only be accessed by faith and because jesus was a man he can relate to you when you're going through anxiety jesus was tempted with anxiety jesus was tempted with depression um before jesus was crucified on the cross it says that he sweat great drops of blood which is literally 
uh, response that your body has to extreme stress, to extreme trauma. And so Jesus knows what it's like. Um, God knows what it's like because he chose to enter into this world as a man. And because of that, the Bible says that we can um, come to the throne of, of judgment, the throne ultimately here of grace boldly because we can come to a God who can sympathize with us, but not only sympathize, but also um, who can help us. And so in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 20 it says, and as much as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him. So that was a little confusing if you don't have it right in front of you. But he says, again, quoting Psalm 110, the Lord, was, Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. So again, there was surety, there was assurance of Melchizedek promising Abraham um, this blessing. The same way there's assurance um, in, in Jesus Christ promising us our inheritance of a better covenant in him. Verse 23, it says, Also there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. So priests had to be die and be pre-appointed. Die and appointed. Die and appointed. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. So again, just like Melchizedek, Jesus had no beginning. He has no end. And so Jesus doesn't have to have someone take his place as priest because he's always been priest and he will always continue to be priest from the right hand of God. And verse 25 is the most one of the most encouraging scriptures in the Bible to me. He says, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. See, Jesus, it says he always lives to make intercession for us. Not only is Jesus interceding in the sense of he is becoming righteous on your behalf so you don't have to, but Jesus also, he's praying for us. He's strengthening us that he is in tune to what we're going through, that God, God is not a far off God, but rather Jesus is someone who is near. He is close to us and he is praying for us and seeking our benefit um, all the time and again can relate to us. So we look at this scripture in Genesis chapter 14 of Abraham in the midst of his journey meets this guy Melchizedek who is this mysterious character who actually we see in Psalm 110 in Hebrews chapter 4 through 7 you can also read um, it's Hebrews chapter um, 7 through 10 that talks about uh, who the who, how Jesus fulfills the order of Melchizedek we see that um, he blesses Abraham the God of Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth here in Genesis chapter 14, um, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And so, again, when our enemies surround us, when we are struggling um, with anxiety, depression, these various things, we can look to be blessed, to be rescued by the world, by relationships, or we can come to um, the priest, that the king, Jesus Christ, who has all authority, who has all power, who can sympathize with you, who can pray for you, who can rescue you and deliver um, you from your enemies and ultimately give you not a king on or a kingdom on this earth, but he can give you a kingdom in heaven, a kingdom of peace that Jesus says, peace I leave with you, not as the earth gives to you, do I give to you, um, but it is a different sort of peace that Jesus leaves with us. And so I want to encourage you today to evaluate, you know, what and why um, are you seeking what you're seeking for security for blessing that Jesus has a greater blessing for us that comes through the order of Melchizedek the king the priest the one of righteousness the one of peace who is the one and only king of kings which is Jesus Christ so I hope this encourages you today I know that was a fast pace um, 
episode as far as digging into the scripture. We'll look at the order of Melchizedek more when we get to the book of Hebrews. But I just want to encourage you, the one who's offering to bless you, he has credibility, man. If you know him, you know that his promises and his blessings are worth it, which really helps when the flesh is screaming at you to do something um, that is sinful. It is good to know that um, the king that we serve is willing and able to save us, but also also worth it um, in his promises. And finally, you know, some people have argued that this shows that other gods can be equal to um, the God of the Bible because Melchizedek isn't, you know, really mentioned who he's serving. It just says God, um, the God Most High. But I do want to just emphasize that it's cool how Melchizedek and Abraham are using the same language here. They both talk about God Most High. They both talk about the possessor of heaven and earth. And in Hebrew, um, God Most High is translated El Elyon, which um, basically means the sovereign Lord, the one who is the creator God, um, is who Melchizedek is uh, is speaking of. And so this is not a random Canaanite God, but he's talking about the God of the Bible. And then Abraham, when he references God Most High, says Yahweh El Elyon. So again, Abraham was um, referencing the same God Most High that um, Melchizedek was. So there is only one God. There's only one God who can bless us. There's only one God who can save us. He is the God Most High, Yahweh El Elyon, um, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. So I just want to encourage you today that if you find yourself um, like Abraham, where you're on a journey and things are tough and there's there's family and there's people that you're helping and serving and you're wondering, you know, who's going to bless me? Who's going to help me through this? Um, it's Jesus Christ. And his blessing can only come by grace through faith by submitting to his lordship because that's what Abraham did. He submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, to the lordship of Melchizedek by offering him a tenth um, of all that he had, 10%. And um, I think that's a great thing to do that we can surrender um, not just our lives, but Jesus says where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And so the investment of also our finances can be a test um, of the lordship that, that Christ has over our lives. So, so I want to encourage you that the God of the Bible, the, uh, the priest Melchizedek, the priest of righteousness, the priest of, preach, uh, the priest of peace is offering and willing and able to bring a blessing into your life. So God bless you, and thanks for joining us in on this episode of Selfish to Selfless, learning how to study the Bible with a Christ-centered perspective and helping us through addictions and mental health and trauma. So God bless you. Follow us the Way Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can check us out at www.52ministries.org. I've got a, got a dodgeball tournament coming up in February um, with the Get Back and Get Connected, a youth outreach coming to uh, Scott's Bluff, and we'll be firing up some some uh, boxing and hopefully some other sports activities soon. So give us a follow on social media with 5-2 Ministries or visit, visit us at our website. So thank you guys for joining in.